Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Well, like I said, Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, uh, you know, chat with me here today. And, and uh, I've just I've looked, uh, you know, followed what you do and, and with horses as well as with music and always appreciated your take on things. Um, I think I don't know if you remember, but we actually originally met at the Great Basin Buckaroo Gathering in Heber City, Utah. Okay. Um, I had gotten down there. Oh, I can't remember what it must have been 2015 or so. And um, I was just sort of having a look around and I saw you rushing up the steps and you mistook me for the event organizer. I think his name's Trevor or some something. And, okay. uh, and you uh, you're asking and I, and I says, no, no, I don't know. But it's good to meet you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's and, a good way to meet. That's as good as any. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we ran into each other there in Bozeman the last time that I was in the States in 2019 with my with my Kiwi group of Kiwis. So yeah. that was awesome to hear you get you play live there. And um, yeah, like I said, just thank you so much for taking taking the time to be with me today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, for those of you, uh, for those of the listeners who who might not be familiar with with your story, just tell us a little bit about what you do and, 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 and then we'll kind of dig into the, the backstory and, and kind of how you ended up there. I, I think in, in my mind, like the word troubadour comes to mind, a, a, a traveling minstrel who's good at telling stories and has a lot of stories to tell. And, and uh, I mean that in all uh, respect, of course, it just, it just seems like such a cool, cool deal that you do, but share a little bit with us here. Well, um, yeah, I love writing songs and I love to uh, play them for people. And in the folk tradition, Ben, the, you know, the it's easy to, to and a lot of people miss it that are performers. They don't engage the audience with by drawing them in with with a story. Mm. And um, it comes really natural to me. And I think that it I got it from actually cowboying on these places in Nevada where we were so remotely removed from everything and it's the seventies and there was no distractions, you know? And, uh, and so it was great to have a, a good storyteller on the crew. And, and uh, so I think I picked up some of my storytelling chops from that, but as far as the folk music goes, I, my mom uh, was from Canada and she was ranch raised up there and she uh, loved folk music, and so uh, my dad, he didn't care about music at all, but my mom and I would, she had a lot of records there, folk records, folk music records, and so we would go see different people play over, and I remember when I went to see Pete Seeger, and it was at the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium, and you know, back then, in the 70s, he filled it with just him up there with a banjo and his little work boots and his sleeves rolled up and he told stories and he was a pie piper. He was like, you know, 
and, and he played and he got people singing along and holding hands and moving back and forth. And what I was seeing was the folk tradition in its truest form. But all I knew is I was engaged and entertained and that's where it's at, you know? Yeah. And uh, Pete was the master of that man. And, and a lot of people out of that era, uh, you'd be surprised how many people that came out of that era, they're really good at storytelling and telling a story with their song. And it's a great way to lead into a song, how you wrote it. And I do all that. It just comes off the top of my head, you know, about uh, about leading somebody in. And it makes it more fun. And when the show's over, uh, it's very common for people saying, wow, we love your stories. You know, and, you know, well, what about the song? <laughs> no, they like that, too. But they, 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 people just haven't heard stories as much in this day and age. Yeah. And I think it's in, I really have given it a lot of thought. I think it's, it's, it's close to, it's in our DNA. It's still on the surface, Ben, yeah. because it wasn't that many generations ago that that was the way an entire family history was told or the valley that you lived in. And, the, you know, there was a murder ballad about something that happened and there yeah. was a story. And so that's how uh, stories were told was through song and people just told stories great stories you know and it's it's still in our dna just like our need to be around animals is is very close to our dna wasn't that long ago we need them needed animals to provide food for us so we needed to eat them uh they were we couldn't get along without them and i think when i see all these people with dogs and cats you know and they're not using they're not working dogs they're just pets I, I've opened up my eyes and thought, man, I think people still are, it, it might be some connection to livestock mm, where they yeah. need, an, you know, that, 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 that companionship or, or just um, association with an animal. And I think it's from that. So I think we're, we're still real close to uh, that, you know, from our DNA, just like a story or a song. You know, it doesn't matter if you got a 10-piece band. If you can walk out there with a guitar or a banjo or a harmonica and en engage people, they're going to feel something. And that's what it's about. Can you feel something? Absolutely. You know, what do you what do you feel here? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, your mom and, and getting into music, you know, at a pretty young age. How did that sort yeah. of evolve and and... And then how did you end up cowboying and, and what was some of the history there? What, what was what was that like? Well, it, to go way back, it does go back to my mom because I'm born and raised in Monterey, California, outside of town. And uh, so she she got me a horse when I was in third grade. Nice. And and so across the <clears throat> and we could keep them at home. We had some room there at home to keep them. And so. Uh, across the canyon i could there was a ranch there and uh it's it's uh it's part of it's a state park now and part of it is a, a thing called tehama that clint eastwood owns with a bunch of homes but it was the work ranch and we could ride through there and ride all the way over jack's peak down into carmel valley and then we hit there's a place we'd hit in carmel valley and that was a guy named ray hackworth that was a, a really good 
horseman back in the day. He had won the the Hackmore class up at the Cow Palace and stuff, but we didn't know any of that. We just, and he'd see us there and he says, now you kids don't rope my cattle like we could rope. We didn't know how to rope. <laughs> but we would, so that was my entertainment after school or weekends. I would get on and just ride and ride to the beach, ride down to the ocean, through through town or up in the mountains. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything, just was having fun. When I look back now, it was the ultimate way to get hooked on horses because, you know, I fell off, I slid over the front end, you know, I got stepped on. I it, My horse was scared of stuff and I, it scared me. So I'd go way around that big dead tree that scared this little mare I had. <laughs> and I didn't know nothing. And I was just like, I don't know how I lived, but, but it was a great way to get interested and stay on fire about the horse. And uh, it, it wasn't until like I was 17 that I went to work for a guy named Roy Perzani, really a cool guy, really great guy. And uh, he was a good horseman and Tom Dorrance really liked Roy. And he, he, and Roy rode horses for a living for people and, and his wife and him were quite a good team. And they had uh, boarded horses there and there was a uh, kid, kids taking lessons. And we had, it was in Carmel Valley and there was plenty of country to ride out in. And uh, so when I was 17, and Tom really liked him. So Tom Dorrance spent six years helping Roy, and he was around there. And then Tom's wife, Margaret, and Roy's wife, Andre, were best friends until, until Margaret passed. You know, I mean, they were best friends yeah. for life. And yeah. so I was, uh, and I, I was just cleaning stalls for Roy Perzani, and he had a guy didn't show up or something. And so I came and cleaned some stalls and I walked out and he had a round crowd there and he was starting a horse. And I'd never seen anybody start a horse. And I had never even thought about starting a horse. What's that? And <laughs> I was really shy, you know, and, and back then. And I, but I found myself boldly speaking up. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I don't know why. And I said, are you going to be back here tomorrow? He said, yeah. I said, about the same time working with this horse? He said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, can I come by and watch? And he said, yeah. And so that I came back and and he was a kind man. And, and uh, it was the first time someone, I didn't get along in school too good, you know, and it was the first time that I was interested. And then I had this perfect guy there going, this is how you do this. Yeah. This is how you do this. And so he was showing me things and, and really was, that was just turning me on learning something new. Yeah. And I came back there all the time and Tom, Tom was around. And so, uh, you know, I got to uh, ride a lot of horses with Tom and uh, we had a lot of fun, you know, people yeah. kind of think, Oh, he's Tom Dorrance is so, it's all serious. And, Man, we just laughed, and I remember I was on some horse, and he rode up and handed me a big sheet. He was horseback, and he ran, handed me a big, long sheet of plastic tarp and said, Mike, just hold on to this, and I went, oh, okay, and I held on to it, and my horse just cut out sideways, and Tom laughed and laughed, <laughs> you know, and I mean, just, uh, there was a side of him I'd love people to know about 
Bill and Tom, that they were really in the most incredible humans I ever met. They had a sense of humor and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. What an opportunity to get thrown in with a couple of guys like that at, at that age, you know, man, what a cool opportunity. I, I had the opportunity to spend a summer starting Colts in Northern California for uh, Mr. Flournoy, who was a good friend of Tom's and yeah, Rodney. Um, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. And yeah, man, the stories that he told, you know, just um, of the things that Tom would do and say, you know, it was a real, it was really yeah. neat for me because I, I missed meeting Tom myself um, by, you know, just that much, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it was pretty, pretty neat to, to get that kind of those stories from a firsthand account. So man, what a cool opportunity for, for you. So how did it transpire after that? Uh, and did it, did you kind of go into the cowboy and deal or the music deal or both at the same time? Or how did that sort of start to pan out? Well, I started, I always loved music. And I always tell people I was blessed to be raised in a place that just out of dumb luck, you know, I fell in love with horses and music and both Monterey was so close to San Francisco. And I, and I got to see a lot of bands and I, you know, you think I'm a geek now in high school, you know, everybody's listening to Hendrix and, and uh, Grand Funk Railroad, and I was listening to Woody Guthrie and <laughs> Buck Owens, and 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 um, I was super nerd. And and uh, my mom got me the uh, box set of LPs of the Library of Congress Woody Guthrie recordings, which was yeah. Alan Lomax who did a lot of field recordings. So it's just Woody and Alan Lomax, a bottle of whiskey and a guitar, and they, he just told stories and invented songs on the spot and talked about Okima, Oklahoma and the Dust Bowl and wow. living in Pampa, Texas. And so I just fell in love with Woody and all that. But the horse thing. So when I kept coming back to Roy's and uh, one day I walked up there and him and his wife said, we got a, we got a job for it. They invented a job for me. <laughs> and they said, uh, we got some horses that are boarding here, you know, and um, you you can get $5 if you want to put some miles on some of these horses that people aren't riding. And then it led into stuff that Roy had already started and gotten going, but he wanted me to ride or ride them. Sure. And so I'd ride out with him or, or Tom or by myself and put big, we had a big old loop there. We could go, had all kinds of great terrain, man, dude big long hills with these roads that I remember going out there with Tom and a lot of these women there, they'd fall in love with these big thoroughbreds that were rejects from the track and they wanted them to be hunter jumpers. And so they'd never been outside. They'd never been up and down anything steeper than a ramp on a horse trailer. And so me and Tom would get to the bottom of this hill and get real short on a range like jockeys. And he says, okay, we're just going to air these horses out. And we had a great long, long, long road that went uphill, brush on both sides. And he said, now just don't pull on them. He said, just go. They need to find out where the bottom is on their own because uh, they've always been pulled to a stop. So we take off up this hill. And he said, now, if you go past me, keep going. Go to the top, turn around and gallop him down the hill. And if you just go right past me and just keep on going, you know. And so 
uh, it, it, you know, eventually they break down to kind of a little trot and then they throw back up again and go and you think, oh, I'm going to kill this son of a bitch, you know, and <laughs> we're going and going and going and, and, uh, and then eventually, you know, they found that bottom. And so there was a lot of, I got to ride there, but one day I was saddling up a horse that Roy asked me to ride for him. And this horse was touchy and I didn't know anything. He hobbled in front and I put the saddle on. It was a hardwood saddle and he had, he had several and loaned it to me uh, to ride there. And uh, this horse, the there was an overhang of a tarp where we saddled and this wind blew it and wiggled and this horse flipped over backwards and scratched the top of that Cheyenne roll on that saddle. And I felt horrible, you know, and I rode up to the arena and I showed it to Roy and, and I just felt so bad. So I said, okay, I'm going to go get a job and buy my own saddle, good one. And so I went and got a job washing dishes and um, <clears throat> saved all that money. And I bought a Capriola from a guy, bought his whole outfit. I bought his nice. rope, his shafts. He, he went to Nevada and said, no. And so he came back and uh, <laughs> I was at the right time. And so I bought his spurs, his head stall, his McCarty, everything. Snap nice. a bit. And so uh, then I had my own saddle, this Capriola that Chip Drusk made when he was working for Capriolas. And so, but my friend I bought it from said, you need to meet this guy. He's a friend of mine, Brian Newbert. And so uh, I just hit it off with Brian. He's older than me by a few years and super super good hand and fun another thing it was fun and man i mean and so he's the one that said uh hey uh, i'm gonna go back to this place called the spanish ranch in in nevada and i can i'll call bill kane you should come with me i'll get you a job bill kane was a cowboy yeah. and i'd never cowboyed i never roped anything or nothing you know and so off I went to that place, which was over 2 million acres and 20,000 mother cows. Man. <laughs> some of these guys down there said, you're going to get killed. You, what are you doing going there? And Brian was the one that said, you may never want to come back. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's where I, and so what was great was starting to cowboy there. Uh, Everything else felt like Girl Scout camp after that. that was, <laughs> we wrote, I mean, it's hard for people, Matt. We rode about 50 miles a day, honestly. Yeah, I've, it, I've it, heard it, a few it, stories, yeah, about Bill <laughs> Kane. Yeah. And, and those, it was, it was, I jumped into the deep end of the pool, but yeah. because I was raised with some manners and I was, I, and I, and some work ethic, yeah. I just, I kept my mouth completely shut yeah. i didn't say anything bill king he saw so many guys come through there that he wouldn't learn your name for three months you know <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give a dang and so uh anyway i just really really tried and and brian when he didn't want to be known as a show off or a braggart or anything but when just me and him were together he said you know i see the way you're getting on them horses you're going to get your kneecap blowed off let me show you how to get on there correctly and he says, you don't, your McCarty comes off all the time. You're dragging it through the brush. You're going to get bucked off one of these suckers. You know, let me show you how to talk. Just things like that. Yeah. And so I always say if Brian Newbert uh, 
still a dear friend of mine to this day, but if he hadn't been there, I most certainly would have been killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But I didn't know any better, you know, so it was all fun. And we made, and I made $10 a day. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can't beat that. <laughs> no, man. it was great. And, and so that kind of started that. And, and then Bill Dorrance, uh, Brian said, had, I didn't really know Bill. I knew Tom. And Bill has a ranch there outside between Carmel Valley and Salinas. It's up on this big mountain, Mount Toro. Right. And uh, Brian said, I bet if you write him a letter, he'll write you back. Wow. And so uh, I was out Spanish Ranch and I wrote him some letters. And, and uh, yeah, he did. He wrote me back. And I asked him questions about the horses and I drew a pretty artistic. I drew pictures on there because I like the Charlie Russell letters. And yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and then Bill Dorrance had a box at the, at Slinks Rodeo. The family had a box there. And of course at Slinks Rodeo in the morning, they have great uh, cow, uh, cow working cow horse classes and stuff. And then they rodeo in the afternoon. And, and so Bill's, up there and he sent one of his boys to come get me and and then he he said uh you know i could cheer you some help on the ranch he says i i can't pay you but i'll feed you and give you a place to live and i'll help you with the horses and cattle and and i couldn't believe my good fortune and so then yeah. i started living living there and wow and uh and so tom would show up there or ray yeah. and uh and it was I was just dumb luck. I was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> wow. How old yeah. were you then, Mike? Oh, I was about uh, 19 or something, wow. 20 or something. Man. <laughs> Barely licked <laughs> off, as they say. And so, and Bill was so, Bill, it, I got to know him so, so well. You know, he, he, my dad died when I was young. When I look back now that I'm older, I, found a lot of people that were father figures you know to me and uh bill uh and his family you know i'm still i i'm honored and humbled to be introduced as family dave dorrance bill Sunset. this is mike he's part of the family he's his family it, i can cry so when i hear that yeah and so bill was just so incredible and the, the whole Dorrance family, you know, uh, Jim and Fred, I never met Fred, met Jim. Um, they're all uniquely different, but I often wondered, Ben, what their parents were like, because they were amazing people. And the girls, I met uh, Jean Cochran. She was one of the, one of the sisters, you know, and uh, just the fun nice people man really really nice and well-spoken and uh, smart really smart yeah i mean yeah. really really smart <clears throat> you know and like you heard stories from ronnie flournoy about tom people all of us around that there that that you know uh joe walter was around and Billy asked you, of course, we all just, yeah. you know, we talked, uh, Randy Layton, um, we all talked about the Dorrances and told stories about them. And I couldn't believe some, you know, some of the things that I'd heard. And then I started to see 
And uh, yeah, it was just, those guys changed my life. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, Bill, they didn't know anything about music, but those guys helped me with my music because there's no different. It's, you know, when you like to get a horse to uh, find something you're presenting to them, you know, uh, sometimes the fastest way to go get there is to go slow, you know, and <laughs> so and, and to get you, you're not critical, but you, you kind of set it up. So, OK, there's the way to find it. And it's slow. And then uh, and then you get it. The mechanical things of just playing, you know, your hands and uh, you get it where it fits slow and then you come up to the correct tempo, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, those guys, all that stuff that they shared with me is, as you know, it's a it's, it's like Tom said, this is just L.I.F.E. Mike, just like so. yeah. <laughs> they're great. Absolutely. Man, that is like you say, such an amazing opportunity for a young guy to fall in with those guys and, and, and just soak, soak on that and be there and see what you saw. That's, that's, uh, irreplaceable. Oh, I, yeah. And I know it and I know it. I, I appreciate it so much that those guys gave me their time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, isn't it? And that's, yeah. that's a valuable thing, time. And um, yeah, they, they were now, generous with that. And it, and, it, and it was fun for them. I mean, yeah. you've got your own place. I, I have only seen it on the internet, but I had a, a little place in Montana where I rode the horses for people and just a couple acres back, go out the gate, go forever. And I was always hoping that some 15-year-old boy would drive in the driveway and go, what are you doing? It would have been so much fun for me, but it never yeah. happened. Yeah. And uh, so I was always hoping that I'd get a, someone yeah. show up like that, you know, and I had people come, I had a little school there. People come that I knew if I knew them and, and uh, they could bring a horse or there was a guy down the road that had plenty of, them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we'd get them jumping and all this stuff, you know, we'd have a blast with them. But um I always was hoping. So it was fun for them too, you know? Yeah. And, and luckily, like I say, I think I got um, the way I was raised to have some manners really served me well. Absolutely. Just, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, you're just like uh, a pleasure to have around then, you know, yeah. and, and, and I'm not saying about myself, but I always tried to make myself handy and helpful. And yeah. it's just my nature to, yeah sweep sweep out the tack room and where we saddled up and bill yeah. noticed those it's the little things that make a big difference there. absolutely just like yeah. with the horses <laughs> just just like it just that's, like it that's yeah. just it it's just life isn't it and i've i've been the same way i've tried to be the same way in my life and i know with the students or the working interns that i've had the ones that stick out in my mind are those ones that are easy to teach and they're hungry and you know, they're not busy talking when they should be listening and <laughs> all that, all that stuff, a little bit of initiative and boy, you've got yourself, you know, somebody that, like you say, is fun. It's fun. Yeah. To, to it, do those it makes, things. And, you know, Bill said, and this is true for everything. Bill said, you need three things to learn. He said, you got to have an interest or a desire. 
So you got to want it. And then you have to have the time or make the time because it takes time. Anything I've ever found out in this life that's worth a damn takes a while to get there. And you'll never really reach it. You've got to enjoy the journey. And then the third thing is the hardest one is that you need to get some good help because life is too short to learn everything on your own. And that applies to playing the guitar Mm, or anything else. You want to skydive, same thing. You know, you got to want it. You got to want want it. And then uh, that that fire starts, you know, whatever starts it, who knows, you know? Absolutely. So how did things go after that? Um, You're working, (laughs) spending a lot of time with Bill and Tom. Carry on with your story here, Mike. What what happened after that? Well, that was just the way, a continuing thing. Like I'd go to Nevada, being raised in this part of California, it was Northeastern Nevada was the place to go cowboy. Yeah. And so um, there was a few places I worked there, but I'd come back to Bill's and stay there and help him and uh you know uh make a pair of shafts do you know what all this stuff and and then uh back and you know i just cowboyed and went out and cowboyed and like uh you know and then i i got because of brian too you know well i had that interest in the horses but then with brian you know we'd stay on these ranches when the wagon came in and start some horses you know right and uh and that was just fun 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 you know and then i'd go back and then joe's riding a bunch of horses in carmel about joe walter and i yeah i'd hang out there and ride with him and those guys i i can't say enough good things about brian and joe as people yeah as as buddies and as horsemen is no it's it's so great and we were all coming out of that same thread you know that same thing of of the of bill and tom's influence and so and the first guy i worked with roy frizzani same thing you know so that was all i knew yeah that was all i saw it was different for other people when i went out and got my first job on my own in Montana riding colts without any help. Yeah. It was at a place called the Madison River Cattle Company. And I was there for a couple of years. And uh that's where uh and Ray Hunt had a bunch of horses turned out there. So if there was a Ray Hunt clinic in Wyoming or Montana, I could take a company horse to this and uh actually make I was making $35 a day there. I could get actually paid to go to these Ray Hunt clinics and start these company horses. And that's where uh, Buck Brandman showed up when he was just out of high school and he was there for a couple of years. And um, he's younger than me. And so that, uh, that it, it was at that time in Montana, it was something else because there was no, this was all very very foreign to people so i guess what i my point is i thought this is the way everybody rode horses i thought this way every horse got his start i thought this is how every way we were going to rope some calves and brand them or doctor something yeah was taking your time and getting your horse nice and and uh easy on the cattle and i got to montana and it was like what the hell is this crap you know because it was the worst stuff i'd been exposed to you know and it's different now because 
because of Ray, he when Ray first came through there, these people thought it was magic, or they thought they brought stuff. I remember I was at a Ray Hunt clinic at Montana State University in Bozeman in the indoor arena there, and people were bringing stuff to try to fix Ray. Oh, I got one that'll fix that guy. You know, yeah. yeah. And he, this guy brought somebody this this rancher from Jordan or something. You know, he brought this six-year-old sucker in there and i mean this sucker was bothered and he had like one <laughs> one ear froze off you know and he was just oh and i mean you know they've already messed him up exactly you know? and they know oh, yeah ray will never get him started watch this fellas you know and so ray i seen him oh my god he knew you know ray knew what was going on yeah he's got trying to set him and he just got this horse in there and he was horseback and he caught this horse around the around the flanks. And I mean, this sucker, the precious juices were flowing. I mean, this booger was turning inside out, you know. Ray got him around there. And then he got his horse to hold. You know, this is all, you know, got off his saddle horse with that hind leg caught. And and uh, his got his saddle horse to hold this. You know, it was a green horse he was on. I mean, it was something. And, and he got this horse to hold that. And he saddled this horse and turned him loose and flagged him around and moved him around this round pen and with horseback. And then he got on this horse, you know, with nothing on its head. Wow. And he got his uh, rope down and got him moving out. And, 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 uh, you know, and he's got a whole shot, his death grip on his shine roll and he's got this sucker moving and he's got his English spurs whacking him and the man they're going around there and, Pretty soon he's got him looking pretty good. You know, his ears are up and tail's hanging good. And he gets his rope down, gets it under the, under the, down in the flanks there as he's horseback. And he, you know, I know what he's doing. And he gets this, and this sucker's just stand there, you know, and soft and everything like, and Ray just said, and I was sitting up in the grandstands and he just said, well, I need a rider. He says, Carolyn. And Carolyn went down and climbed over the fence and got on him and he stuck it in these guys' face. Like, yeah, I'll put Carolyn on there and show you guys. I mean, it was so <laughs> cool because now this sucker was like a wet noodle, you know, and soft. And he did all that in 45 minutes. Or I mean, it was a thing to behold, you know, and I've seen him do that with several horses over the years. You know, he was, uh, that guy was a talented, talented horseman really something and so to see him come up there in that country where i when i first went up there with a uh with that capriola saddle with a slick fork saddle and four inch horn yeah those guys thought i was riding they thought it looked like a spaceship from mars they'd never seen a saddle like that be, now they're now they're everywhere you know yeah but yeah. Uh, there was no mccarty's montana was pretty influenced i think by texas because of the trail drives yeah that's right you know, yeah they, they actually tied off and uh, -huh. uh they did didn't dally rope and they had those big uh swell fork saddles and tiny little horn and yeah ray changed that he really he said it and then brian came and and joe walter came up there and yeah buck started helping people and it just got pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. The, that's amazing the it's, information has spread around, you know, not everybody, but as, as you know, but 
people like you are are bringing something of quality to people, you know, and for the horse. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see it uh, uh, spread. And, 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 and that's what Bill told me. He said, you know, Mike, if I'd never had a ranch or family, I'd sure would have liked to have a school. Yeah. You know, he, he, he loved to help someone he knew that was in a position to go help other people. There right. was no ego. There was no money. It was just about a, a beautiful quest of life, you know, to bring this to uh, yeah. more people. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Speaking yeah. of spreading it then, um, how did you end up getting to do clinics in Norway? <laughs> and I mean, you've been, you've been in all kinds of, places so how did that start to happen well it was funny i was on this ranch in carmel valley called rana creek ranch billy asked you still the cow boss there he was he there was another fellow that's cow boss and tom ran that place in the uh late 60s rana creek ranch yeah it's still there it borders the dorms ranch uh, on one part of it um so i was working there and tom was going to have a clinic at roy Ferzoni's at the top of los Sorrels grade and so i said can i i asked kent he was a cowboy I said, hey kent can i can i so there was a i ran out of horses and i said man what's that one over there and they said oh you don't want to ride him you know and he's not worth a darn and so i i started riding him and i was getting along pretty good with him and i liked him and i said can I bring that bay horse to that clinic? You know, God, I was, he was in my string now and they said, yeah. And they let me use a company rig and everything. Yeah. So I went to this clinic, this classic Tom Dorn's clinic. And this, and you know, this is funny. I should tell this because you know, everybody's like, Oh, Tom, you know, and all this. Uh, so I, I, I go there and I'm going to take this horse and ride him. You know, they're going to start some colts and then I'll ride him in this other thing like a horsemanship thing yeah and so i had him in my in this trailer saddled up in a stock trailer from the ranch and so people were bringing these horses in to start and tom was going um do you mind if brian starts that horse these people oh no i don't mind you know <laughs> and i'm saying do you mind if mike starts it? so tom had bunch of us were there randy layton and and uh so he had us all starting these horses all at once so we yeah. had 13 horses in this big kind of corral and tom was on the outside of the fence directing traffic you know and <laughs> and, and it it was great so we we screwed around and we saddled them all maybe rode them or something and then he said okay well let's go down and to this arena down below that had some jumps and we'll do we'll, work with these in the horsemanship class or whatever so my horses with the whole time i was there he was lonesome he was in his trailer just winning and when he was maybe hadn't been off the ranch forever and so he was pretty lonely and when i showed up he was like oh my god there you are thank god you're here you know <laughs> and so any place i asked him he was he never felt so good i mean i just pick up this foot and he goes do you want it right here how about this? Do you want my hind foot here? You know, and I thought, uh-oh, I better think of something quick to come up with, to work with, because he feels amazing. And I don't want to bring him here and thinking, oh, I'm just showing off. You know, I right. want to. So, so we go down. 
guess how many people are in the horsemanship class? <laughs> Three. Oh, you <laughs> and, can't hide. Yeah, but this is everybody's like, oh, Tom Dorn, somebody. There was only three of us. So there was two girls riding English with English saddles and me. Yeah. And so <laughs> go around and and uh he says, Tell tell me something about your horse. And the girl tells something, you know, horse. And he came to me, he says, Well, Mike, he says, tell us something about your horse. And I said, Well, I said, I really like him, you know, I kind of ended up with him from default, but I said, I really like him, you know, and he goes, okay. So then he goes and helps these two girls and he comes to me and he's standing. I know this is audio only the people that are watching about 30 people are behind him. He's standing there facing me and I'm horseback in this arena. And he said, well, Mike really says he likes this horse. And then he did this thing. He just kind of closed his eyes and no one could see it but me. And I've experienced with this with him like a couple, three times. And it was like he was just kind of going into this place. And then he looked up and he says, yeah, well, he really likes you, too. OK. And he asked me what I wanted to work on. You know, and I first of all, I went, whoa, what was that? Yeah. You know, because he seemed to he could get inside of a horse. He could get inside of a horse. And people didn't of that era didn't talk about it. But and I'm not going all wooju wooju, but that guy could get inside of a horse no, and man. look out from the horse's view. The, he he really, really could. So he did that right in front of me, and I kind of got the hair on back of my neck. But anyway, I thought of something quick. I said, Well, when I stop, I said, it, it's not so good. Okay, we're gonna work on the stop. So he says, These lope, this is so Tom, lope him around and whenever you want, stop and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I loped all around this, jumps around this arena and came up in front of him and all the people and stopped. And he said, how'd that feel? And I said, uh, not, not too good. He goes, okay, go again. So I went around, I loped all around the jumps and came back in the same place right in front of everybody and stopped. He said, how'd that feel? And I said, a little better, but not too good. He says, okay, go again. I loped all the way around and came and stopped in front of him. He said, how'd that feel? And I said, about the same. Yeah. And he said, well, why didn't you stop him down at that end when he was asking you to stop? <laughs> and I went, what? And he goes, okay, let's go ride those Colts again. And that was it. That's all I got. <laughs> and so, so I, 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 later on, I was, riding this another horse someplace and i was trying to figure it out and i called brian up and i told him that and he says okay i think i know what he's and brian helped and then i started getting it and i could just pitch the slack to him and still my body up and i had one slide to a stop like i was at the cow palace i couldn't believe it you know but it was uh anyway he brian filled in the gaps for me because <laughs> i didn't know what but that was Tom, you know, he wanted you to scratch for it and stuff, you know, and dig. Yeah. And, and it was clear as a bell for him. Yeah. But us mere mortals were having trouble. <laughs> <laughs> us that's, mere that's so interesting. Such a cool story. So how did yeah. how did you end up heading to Europe? I mean, I know you've been to Norway and I think Sweden. I don't know where where all have you been? 
Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and England, and then the United States, 29 different states in the United States. Um, I I do know uh, that I went to Scandinavia for 20 years, twice a year at least. Wow. Yeah, that was a lot of traveling. How that happened, it was at that clinic that I just described. And this girl came up to me afterwards and she said, I've got a horse I could use some help with. And she had it boarded at this place. She said, would you come and help me? And so I went down there and I thought, well, I'll try. I don't know if I can help you with anything. And I had a lot of fun and I made some progress with the horse and the girl. And then her friend was there and she said, Ooh, can I get in on this? You know? And so then I started having these people come to me like that and so uh basically uh it kind of just evolved from there and yeah. and uh, and uh i i was enjoying it and i was learning more than anybody else you know what that's like don't you yeah it's like Absolutely. when you have to stop and describe something that you've been doing that you've worked your butt off to get but now it's natural and you have to stop and and explain it to somebody and then they didn't get it. So just like the horse, you need to rearrange your presentation yeah. to that person to try to get them to get it. And maybe that didn't work. And then you're going to let them soak a little bit overnight and start in the next day. So all of a sudden you're, you be, you get more out of it than anybody. Yeah. And so uh, I was thinking about, you know, and I'm not known really as a clinician, you know, I'm just not. And uh, I never advertised. It was all organic word of mouth. Honestly, I'd go to some place and they'd, some people would come from far away to watch and they'd say, can you come next spring when you come back and come to our place, you know, and sure. You know, so I, I, I started getting more and more work like that, you know, and, and the Dorrance's, the, uh, kind of got their their name started to get out there through tom's book but mostly through ray hunt and then yeah what i found in scandinavia were these people looking for something better and they didn't know where to go they didn't know what to do but they they they, the people that started coming to me they they were like we don't know what but what we're being taught we know we don't want that yeah. Our horses don't want it. And it was pretty tough over there. It, pretty tough because, uh, and I've given this quite a bit of thought, you know, but 20 years, twice a year. I mean, I saw that it, it's pretty influenced by the Germanic dressage routine. And yeah. the that's real hard and fast and tough. And those horses have to do it now, but they, they don't, have anything in their culture with the horse about how the horse learns right so i've asked these girls that would come to my clinic first of all they were the they said you're the first teacher that's ever rode yeah while they teach and you're the first one that hasn't yelled at us yeah those guys just yell and it was this pressure and this was like academia it kept perpetuating itself so these um these these people were like we don't know but uh, there's got to be something better and they they kind of find these people sort of find each other yeah and they come come into a 
they usually the deal is the riding horse in Scandinavia. The history is not very deep because it's mostly the, the the workhorse. I know they used them in the military, but it's so the Germanic dressage thing. I like I'd ask a girl. I said, "Tell me about your dressage lesson," you know, and she would say, "Well, you know, there's four of us, and this guy's yelling at us," you know, and and I said, "Well, what happens if a horse gets out from underneath somebody?" Well, they put you, you they tell you get back on and i said okay nothing uh, about helping the horse get through this no he just we just get on what if he bucks you off again well we'll put him away and uh so what i learned was that they all these people get this credentials to teach from a, a this the, in norway the academy you know of horses they go to whatever and they don't learn anything that's valuable in my humble opinion no, it's just you know they just say put your foot here and pull here and this is how he's supposed to change leads well there's nothing about the horse's feelings or get going slow and i know the, the books i've read ben that are old like uh that tom had a, a reading list that he recommended and one of them was dressage by henry Winmalen. yeah and those guys I dug it because they think, well, he's 14. He's kind of getting broke. I went, yeah, I like that. And, but they did a lot of stuff they call in hand, yeah. which was sort of, you know, it's groundwork about getting them prepared and it got lost in the mix, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I go to get called to a place and how many times I know you've taught a lot, but I'd look at these horses and say, you know, if I had him at home, like some unruly booger that's 17 hands. He's going to, he's just a, a mess. He doesn't even like himself, you know, yeah. and I don't blame him. I said, you know what I do with them at home? Well, I put them in with the other horses and then they socialize him. And then I just get behind some cows and just stay in the walk and drive them to that end of the pasture and come back. And I guarantee you, this sucker would just feel so nice. But they shove him in a box stall and feed him jet fuel and expect him to behave when he gets out. <laughs> I mean, I'd go, I, and I, I made a rule. I had to make a rule that no stallions, because, man, I was getting these stallions that were, you know, and anybody that's really campaigning one isn't coming to a Mike Beck clinic in Scandinavia. They're, you know, and so the Black Stallion movie came through and everybody said, I'm going to buy my little girl. And I'm not shitting you. They started build, buying them these big old, big old stallions. And there's a 14 year old girl on the end of a thing with a Monty Roberts, be nice halter. And I'm going this, someone going to get killed here. And it was often me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I, I never had a horse attack me and not just stallions, but geldings until I went, yeah. To started around dressage horses that were, and I'm not slandering all dressage riders, but it, it was because I like everything about the horse. Every I like every breed, every kind of horse. There's something there, and but they were uh, torturing them, and rainers do it too. They just torture, you know, and yeah. and so it's those horses have drawn the line. They said, "I've had enough." You know, the horse he doesn't. Last thing he wants to do is attack you. He'd yeah. like to do everything else but that. But man, I had some. You turn them loose. 
they go around there about half time and then they make a bead on you, man. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know anything, but I, every horse I've been around, I've had a job, you know, and, and it felt, you know, anyway, it wasn't, I learned something, learned a lot and I still have so much more to learn, you know, gosh, <laughs> it was a scene. Yeah. It, it really is. It's so common like what you're describing with uh and it's not just dressage horses like you know we're not we're not oh. picking on any dressage riders by any means no. but just uh cooped up horses overfed underworked um and misunderstood or or um like you say get bucked off a second time and you put them up well that's that's teaching them something right <laughs> right there you know it just goes yeah. on and on they never get a chance to just be themselves yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you've come up with a good term for this, but when I would, was riding horses for people, you know, I said, well, I want them uh, for a minimum of two months. And then you have to commit to five days in a row. His last five days here, we're going to go out to, and ride together, you know. And, and so we go out and ride into the brush and, and I, they, I, they'd say, well, what should I do when I get him home? And all I could think of, and I wish there was a better, maybe you've come up with something, but I just said, Whatever you do, don't start training on it. Please don't start training. <laughs> you know, because it, and that's a hard thing to explain because, you know, you can let the job or just the trail ride uh, draw the horse into uh, these places where he can build sureness and he can build confidence and togetherness with the human. And you don't have to make a chore out of it and, and just let it happen. But gosh, that takes a while. Do less and get more, Tom told me. It took me 25 years to figure that out. And that's no different than playing music because Tom would say, do less, get more. And Dizzy Gillespie, the famous jazz trumpet player, said it took me 40 years of playing to figure out what not to play. Mm. You know, yeah. and it's it, it's like when you're young, there's all my licks. You know, it's like, no, no. <laughs> you know, Pretty soon, if you stick with it, you'll figure out that, nah. Just a little hint can be the perfect thing to celebrate the song. And yeah. so it's the same with the horse. It's, they both have, I A, B, everything. You know, those are the two things I've really spent my life thinking about and dwelling about, waking up in the middle of the night and, and applying it and stuff. And so it's, of course, I A, B, them, but to me, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots and lots of similarities you know absolutely absolutely so 20 years going over to <laughs> scandinavia that's that is a lot of travel a lot of different horses and like you say the the opportunities for us in those situations to learn um as we dissect what's going on or or what we think's going on and what we're doing and what the horse is doing and try to communicate to people i found like you said, it just cements something inside of us and just broadens our understanding of the horse and all the situations that we may find ourselves in and and then trying to help a person, you know, to come along with that and and be yeah. a part of that and and maybe have some success in the, in their future with the 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 horse. And uh man, what a what a cool deal. It it really is. And I had to let go of a lot of stuff because like I wanted to give it to him so bad. You know, I yeah. want everybody to have everything so bad. And I found out maybe one guy came 
All he learned how to do was tie the halter knot. And that's, that's, that's it. Accept it, Mike. It, it, that, that was what he was ready for. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I want everybody to get it. Oh man, can't you see in the horse, right? You know, and then, you know, it's like, you know, I need them to let down when they come in. Right. Yeah. I just like the horse. So I'll they're they've been waiting for months for me to get there and they're nervous and they're holding their horse. And so, uh, I would just get them to uh, just uh, like, you know, how old's your horse? I didn't want to know his name. It's how old's your horse? And what do you like to do with him? And, and, yeah. and uh, getting them to let down and it, relax is just as important as getting the horse to let. In fact, yeah. when I would get back from these clinics, I, me and Bill would go over every horse. I'd tell him about every horse. You know? Yeah. And how he'd give me some suggestions, maybe what I could have done here, or maybe some he confidence about that I was on the right path here and this. And then the horse became the easy part of my job. Then mm, we just yeah. talked about the people, what I could maybe do to improve on, on uh, uh, how to uh, get the best out of the people, you know. And so uh, when they were telling me, oh, he does this and he, he's afraid of tractors and I can't, you know, and he went, you know, I'm thinking about what's for lunch because if I bought into every story, I'd be in the nut house with a straitjacket on. So <laughs> I, I, when they unloaded them or whatever, they led him to me. That told me more than they could ever tell. Just watching them yeah. lead him to me. And uh, that you don't learn that overnight. And so you start uh it's like i say man i i was blessed to be able to do it because it helped me uh progress you know uh yeah where would i've gotten that experience you know absolutely and so so the cowboy thing like i'm i'm not much of a cowboy you know i can move i i can move cattle with the best of them and sort with the best of them and get cattle through a place that's tricky but, and, but, you know, like I couldn't run a ranch. I don't know, you know, all that stuff. There's a million things guys need to know from putting in a culvert to wind a cab to, you know, all that kind of stuff. I never was in that position. I was just a cowboy, you know, moving sure. cattle and branding cabs. And so, you know, uh, I really think that if anybody hired me to run their ranch, they'd be really sorry, you know, <laughs> but, but, but the horse part, I could certainly get caught up on and yeah. help them out. But yeah. uh, there's a, there's a lot to uh, the ranching thing that I just was just, you know, like I say, I never, I was just moving cattle. I've never been in a position of making a lot of decisions, you know, except for sure. around the horses, around the horses. I was, but yeah, yeah. But there's plenty better cowboys than me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same, same here. So, so what is, um, what's one story or, or something that sticks out in your memory of a, of a real challenging horse or maybe a challenging horse human situation that, uh, that you, it really sticks in your memory. Well, there is this. Yeah. How much time you got? I mean, (laughs) but I got, yeah, there's, there was this, okay. I was doing these, clinics at this place uh Janne's place in Norway and uh 
for some reason, uh, clinic canceled, and then there was some open time. So I just went there and worked with uh, horses on my own, you know, and people came and watched and brought their horses to me. So I was doing like private lesson after all day with people. And she had a round crowd and arena, which was rare, you know, and it was nice. And so I remember um, this story where uh, over the hill comes this Icelandic horse and the lady is, the mother's leading him, leading this horse. And her daughter is like 13, is on this horse. And uh, she is pulling and yelling and reefing and whacking his mouth and he's slinging his head and it's a horrible looking thing. And they came, probably couldn't get him in the trail. They probably, I think it was miles they came like that. And each step he got pulled on and jerked on and he was slinging his head, you know, and wow. he had this uh, snaffle bit on and she was just, uh, it was horrible. And so she gets there with the horse and I said, well, let's bring him in the round corral and, and uh, we unsaddled him and, and turned him loose. And he, he, I thought, well, I'll just move, move him around, you know, and take a look at him. And he went around there and then he tried to take me. He was really bothered. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to take my rope and really whack him across the nose and get him off me. I wish I could have done it to the human because I, but I couldn't. <laughs> and because they, they had brought this out in this poor bugger who's just yeah. trying his best to survive. Yeah. And so then I started to move him around and, I got his hindquarters free. Then I roped him, you know, and once I got his hindquarters free and him just, I could take front end, left to right, but I just send him around me. Then he didn't weigh nothing on the end of my rope. And, and he, he started to get an expression of where he couldn't believe that he was free to be himself and to move his feet. Yeah. He just couldn't believe it yeah. that he could be directed and and I didn't take anything away from him. Tom said, don't, don't take nothing away. Yeah. Bring out the horse in him. And so he was never felt that way. And so what I found out is such a drastic change. A lot of these horses just, God, they just, just light as a feather and just soft and relaxed. And you could just wiggle your rope and he'd take a step back and you could bring him forward. And he just, you know, it didn't, he didn't weigh nothing. And he just looked good. He looked totally different, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, I told the girl, I thought I'd get her on the end of the, maybe I had the halter and lead rope on. I'd get her on, let her feel that. Yeah. And when she stepped in there, he fell apart. Wow. I mean, man, he, just her presence, he, yeah. he just got really wanted to kill her. And I thought, this is so odd, you know? So then one of the, her aunt, you know, in Norwegian, and I got, I figured, I told you not to kick him. The aunt yelled at this little girl, the little girl's in there with me. And she's got a look on her face of, oh man, I, it was heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's not in the nature of a little girl to kick and be mean to any animal. No. Nah. And so I, I, I just said to her quietly, I said, have you been kicking him? 
she'd said, yeah. Oh man, her eyes were welling up. And I said, why do you, why do you kick him? She said, well, the grownups told me I need to be the boss. And, the, yeah. and I said, and, and I was just, I thought, man, I'd like to get those parents in there on the end of my rope. I'll tell you what. And so I, <laughs> but I just said, no, and let's, let's just try to rub him. See if we can rub him a little bit. Yeah. And so I said, you know, these horses, they, they, they really have a lot of feelings, I'm saying, for the people. And then the mother just starts attacking me. You son of a bitch, you. I didn't come here to get insulted by you and all this. And she just lost it on me. Wow. We're leaving. And so, you know, on went the saddle, on went the girl, the pulling, the jerking, and the lady was cussing me. I didn't come here to be insulted. And the little girl, oh, my heart broke for her. Yeah. You know? And yeah. this horse, just when they were leading him, they had to lead him out and then up that road, up that hill. That horse kept stopping and looking back at me like, save me, please, you know, don't let this happen to me. Don't let these people take me. Because he felt this thing that he'd never felt before was that he could be himself. Yeah. And it was, and he was the winner. Yeah. It was okay. And that one, that what that horse went over the hill, and I just kept hoping that he'd jerk away and run back to me. And I <laughs> it, it, it I, I it I had dreams about him, you know. So I never could that's just one where I I just, you know, through self-preservation, you might have felt this, you know, but I had to learn how to let go. It's a hard, hard lesson to let go of things. Yeah. And I, if I can extend the story just a little longer. Yeah. yeah. So I was up in Montana and I was at West Yellowstone playing with a band and I got up early because I do all the time and I was having coffee and there was a guy there having coffee and I got to chat it up with him. And I said, well, what do you do to make a living? And he said, well, I work out in Philadelphia and I'm, I'm a brain surgeon for children. And he said, I come out here I worked here in college and I come out here every two weeks in the summer, and just fly fish and just put my phone away on everything. Yeah. And uh, I said, do you ever lose any of those kids? Yeah. He said, yeah, I do. Sometimes yeah. they die. I said, how do you get through it? And he said, I get in my car at the end of the day and I turn up Led Zeppelin super loud and I just start driving home. And I leave all that behind and I go home to my wife and kids. And I said, wow. And then he said to me, he said, what am I supposed to do? Quit? You think I'm supposed to quit and, I, and not help another kid the next day? And I said, wow, you're right. You know, and then I said, uh, do you ever have one kid that you can never forget? And it was quiet. And then he said, well, there was this one. Mm. And I thought, man, that's like that horse I ran into. You know? Yeah. You know, you, 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 you learn how to move on. Yeah. And do your very best yeah. to influence these people. And just like the horse, the, the people need to be encouraged. You don't bird turd them. You don't ever bird turd them. That's and right. Tell them something. Just be straight. But be on their side. Yeah. 
I'd always say, look, I don't know everything. I don't know much, but I'll do my best to share with what you, what I know. And hopefully we'll, and if I see something doesn't look safe, I'm going to let you know right away, but I'm on your side. You laid your money and your time down with me and I'll do my very best to help you and your horse, but I'm not going to burn dirt you ever. And uh, let's go have some fun. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. and t- it takes the pressure off you. It, 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 Cause real honestly, I'm always going, like, I'm going to meet the horse. I'd, then that happened. What am I going to do with this one? What am I gonna, <laughs> or the person, right? Yeah. The person. Yeah. What am I going to do with this person? You know, <laughs> but man, it's, it's, uh, it, it's been a, a great, great experience. I've taken a break from doing those right now. And I helping a few people here and there yeah. on my own. If, if they're nice, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mess with anybody. It's not nice. I don't have the time, but I've been having some fun. And, uh, when I couldn't play during COVID for 14 months, I couldn't work. And these horses are my humble opinion are so overpriced. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I went out and got a $150 horse from the BLM and 10 year old mare. And she's made me think, I don't know nothing. I've been having a blast with her. And I took her on as a project manager. She's, she is one tough customer and I've been having so much fun with her because I kept presenting something, presenting something, presenting that she was like, no, we're just dating. Nope. 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 And I, I was like, man, I don't know nothing. I was just like, what? And then I started to make this breakthrough with her. And it's just like, and what I found as much as they put it in something you don't need, and I don't call it something bad or something good, as much as a horse puts into something you don't need, if you can change that around, if you can get creative and use your head and, and you can, he'll put just as much into something you can use. I remember Bill, I had a horse on the ranch that I rode named Snip and this is up at Bill's place. And so we'd have the horses in that we're going to ride. And, and there was a fence there on the other side of the fence was these little feeders and they were spread out from, and so you dump a can of grain in there and put a flake of hay on it. And Bill, he's so observant, you know, and me, I'm just like, dude, he's like, sees everything, you know, and he goes, he goes, he's, and I could tell when those guys were saying something to me that had some meaning, right? Yeah. To pay, I mean, everything they did, but sometimes there was like, they were kind of teaching you something and they didn't hand it to you on a silver platter. You better. So he said, he said, Mike, you better look how Snip goes after that, uh, that grain, you see how he goes after that grain? He said, he really puts a lot into it. And he says, he'll probably put a lot into most anything. You ask him. And then I, I did notice that if you're going to turn a cow, you better pull your hat down because Snip was going to give her his all. You know? And so what I started to see was, because when he wanted that grain, you know, he pulled, pulled out that, hey, got dug in there and got it, you know, and and so I started, it made me more aware to see that. So a horse is really doing something that like people, oh, no, I don't want that. Man, he's really putting a lot into it. Can we yeah. flip that around and get something we could use out of that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's fun. And then the, now you got to put your thinking cap on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a great adventure they've given us to be 
I talk to my music friends, you know, and we're still on fire about learning and practicing. And, and I said, I said, aren't we lucky that we got something still that just turns us on so much, you know, you wake up in the morning and I got to get my guitar out and try this thing. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And the horse is, the horse is no different, you know? Yeah. You can always, always like, well, let's see, maybe I could, yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely i was thinking when you mentioned your mustang mare um and presenting things to her and then having to get creative you know and you know why she isn't taking you up on it and stuff that's when i started a wild stallion down here one of the wild horses down here he was oh. the same way i i just had to he, he helped me learn how to break things down into smaller steps and in different <laughs> ways and approaching it differently and and more than any other single horse has. And I've had a lot of them teach me a lot of different stuff with that, but he would also, you know, like you said about yours, like he just was not buying what I was selling you know, <laughs> for a long, long time. You know, you could make a little progress and he, he'd seem okay with it. He was so wary. And then, oh, yeah. you know, next day it was all the same again, like start right back at zero. And <laughs> yeah, it was something it's just amazing how how much they can teach you if you take the time and yeah you know you're so right and i i uh i fiddled with them at clinics and stuff but i never owned one that was a totally different thing but what i found out is their line bread for self-preservation because their grandpa their uncle their aunt that weren't as aware as they were got ache. Yes. And so that they're like, so you think about it, your line breeding them all the way down the line. By the time you get to this one, it's like, yeah, man, I'm, and I, I liken this mare to being street smart. Yeah. I mean, you could, this is what I'm 150 bucks for a horse, right? You could turn her out in a minefield. She'd never come back. There wouldn't be a hair turned on her. She's super street smart. And I'll bet she'll never call. Yeah. And I mean, she's built her own, you know, it's cold and up there, a lot of snow in Montana. She's built her own windbreak. I mean, she sees food and her hindquarters, she just, she's got her own windbreak. And I thought, <laughs> well, that bitch, I don't even have to think about her because she's just like, she sees food and she's like, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. And so I'm fine with it, man. I mean, she's put on weight this winter and it's three degrees, you know, I mean, <laughs> and so you start thinking, you know, and she is tense, late in the game for me to get introduce myself to her. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, there's a lot of what most people need. Yeah. Is right there. Yeah. Something that's bulletproof. She's never going to go to UC Davis and have a $20,000 vet bill. No way. This, no. this gal is tough. She's <laughs> tough as hell. And so I, I just love her. And uh, I mean, she's humbled me big time, Ben. Big time. <laughs> I love her, man. I have a blast with her. That is so cool. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah. So, Mike, one more question for you before we kind of wrap up and you can share a little bit about where people can find out more about you and your music and stuff. But I always like to ask the question, like, what what legacy are you working on? How would you like to be remembered? What's the big picture for you? Oh, I, maybe, you know, that, that, uh, people had fun. I got to help some people with their horses and they, 
that it maybe they helped them with something in their life. And I know yeah. that's happened. That's been one of the most pleasing things is somebody will actually write me and say, you know, two years ago, I thought you were full of it. <laughs> now I think, not that I need to be right, but I yeah. just want to share with what these guys shared with me. Yeah. And I'm, and so I, in the, you know, and people that enjoyed the songs and stories and just, you know, life is so short, man. It's just so short. And anything we do, I hope that people remember me as somebody that was kind to them and kind to their horse. And, and, uh, I got to help some people and share something and we could have some fun along Absolutely. the way. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so you know, there you go. Because I like to have fun, and it comes <laughs> in all sizes and forms for me, man. And it's just uh, a blessing to, you know, those guys. I mean, you know, everybody likes. Oh, I was around them and stuff. You know, I just think about. I was so lucky to have role models like those guys, the men that I, just, I'd be in a situation over there, you know, and going like, what would, how would Bill handle this? You know, how would Bill do this? And uh, <laughs> I've had some people, these women, I this woman, she was upset with me. She tore into me, tore into me. And I felt myself bowing up like I'm going to fight, you know, and, she, and then I just, she's just ripping me a new one. She said, I don't know what you're doing, teaching people and you shouldn't even be. And I was just sitting there inside myself and I was going, I wonder what Bill would do. You know, and I, I may have been right or might have been wrong, but I just laid that laid back and let her rip me apart. And yeah, then I said, when it when she got slowed down, there was a gap there. Her <laughs> chewing my butt. I said, uh, "You're right. I think I I don't have any business helping. I think I'm going to quit." She goes, "Well, wait, no, no. Um, you don't have to quit." But then she started ripping me, and it was softer. And so she ripped me for a little bit. And then I just, when she was done, then I was just like, and I rode home from this clinic horseback to this. It was the best part of the day through the Norwegian woods and sky was <laughs> waiting for me, Rogar. And I said, just keep going. I'm going to stay here. He's like, what? Well, I'm going to let this lady chew my ass. And she just chewed me. And then I just went, yeah, you're right. I think I got to quit. I don't know what I'm even doing. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not my, and then it, that went on for a little while. And the next day she was walking around taking pictures and telling everybody in Norwegian, she said, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And so, <laughs> you know, you wonder, you know, anyway, I got off track there. I can do that easy. I can digress super easy, Ben, but it, it was, it was I, getting back to, I wonder how those guys would handle stuff. Cause I saw them handle stuff. Yeah. With horses, cattle and people. Yeah. And it was, it was poetry, dude. It was it was art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so cool, man. So I was blessed to know those guys, and I hope that I got to to uh, uh, carry on and help some people with some some of the things they showed me and shared with me. And like yeah. I say, they were kind to yeah. me and gave me their time was the most valuable thing. So. Yeah, I've, well, had, I've been blessed. I've had a good one. <laughs> I think I think between the horses and the music, you're uniquely positioned to achieve just that and help people with life. Just like Tom said, you know, it's it is just all about life. And any of our relationships 
can be helped by, you know, learning about horsemanship and the music and the stories. I mean, it all just fits. It all just fits. Like it's all just kind of one and the same. That's a pretty cool deal. And it, yeah, I, I, I have this whole show I do called the ponies, which is just about the horse. And it's, it's like a, songs I wrote and stories and they just come to me you know there's a zillion stories about events that happened from funny stuff to heart-wrenching stuff to you know and people want to feel something and I do too you know and it's so so much music and performing is so void of that you know it's just like look at me you know and it's like no man let's go let's I like to go let's all go someplace let me take, I'll take you someplace for 90 minutes and I promise I'll bring you back and I'll set you down. So, <laughs> and, and it, it, to me, it's uh so that show I call the ponies I love doing. And it's like, a, it gives me a chance to, I share stories about, the, you know, all this stuff like we've been talking about and with mixed in with songs I wrote. I have yeah. a great song. I, I, I was lucky to write called Patrick about Bill Dorrance. Yeah, it's all about his horse. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, they can. You ask me how they can find mikebeck.com. Okay, dot mikebeck.com is me on the internet. Yeah, and um, they can just get a hold of me there and yeah, tell me I'm full of baloney or whatever they want. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you to all the folks listening to this, um, go check out Mike's music. Um, you can find it. I think you can find it on Spotify. I know I've got a bunch that I listen to pretty regularly and um, just authentic. You're the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, classic, authentic, real life, Western cowboy and folk type music. It's, it's, it's great. Um, and so I encourage everybody to go check that out. And Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and visit with me. I hope very much to uh, do it again sometime, maybe even face to face. Oh, I hope so too. Meet up in Montana sometime. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, one of these days, I'd love to play some music with you. I play a little music myself, and uh, that go. would be that would be a real, real privilege. Well, we'll have to do it. We'll have to do it, and uh, keep up the good work, man. I, I, uh, I've seen only what you're doing on the internet, you know, and. But it looks real good to me. And the way you're talking about the horse and stuff is uh, uh, I've enjoyed it. So uh, just keep helping people and 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 uh, we'll get together soon in face to face, I hope. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mike. All right. Thank you. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.